Welcome back. Welcome to episode, episode oh. four. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't write anything with an intro, so. No, uh, I just have daddy on the mind. Yeah. <laughs> I get, I get, yeah. I didn't think of anything else, so crap. Yeah, I, you know. Um... So we occasionally talk about tech. This is currently clearly not one of those moments. So welcome to the Hope This Helps podcast. We are in the fourth episode of our something and yeah yeah so what else throat punch thursday it is throat punch thursday i didn't punch it i didn't throat any punches or punch any throats today no you were actually very distraught that it was throat punch thursday i thought you were you were very pacifistic i don't think that's a word but it's it's a word now i'm gonna say it's a word yeah pacifistic pacifism it was a, um, it was a very mellow monday uh monday jeez <laughs> yeah it was a very thought-provoking thursday where i actually got a lot done i got some scripts done today and every it was really a net positive today to be honest i don't know it mm. was very very good in the tech world for me at least i don't know about everybody else but today was good tech wise what did i accomplish today um work day integration kickoff um some email routing stuff um i just said um a real lot um um no it was very very it was more operational than technical today and that's okay i think that's why i'm very distracted right now yeah i was i kind of had a to-do list today and i stuck to that to-do list and i got a bunch of things done including one really incredible script i wrote today that built upon one i found online and then i basically made it a thousand times better i honestly want to hear about this you intrigued me when you said pst's and digging into them yeah actually i really i do like i feel so accomplished with this i do feel this probably deserves its own topic in our intro so here we go surprise bonus topic my pst script so i developed a script over the course of the past week where it, its goal was to take a PST of any size with folders of any hierarchy, no matter how deep or how complex, and to report back how large or how quantified each folder was. So it'll crack open the PST, examine all the folders, get the counts and the hierarchy, and be able to present it in a format that is readable and digestible in some kind of nice coherent fashion so it took me quite a while to really adapt the first existing script i found online i forget where i found it i think we found it in like an msdn technet thread or something but i began with that as a baseline and it was kind of your standard very easily cloned like you open up a com application to point to outlook which effectively runs outlook in the background but at the more technical level you mount the pst which has to be previously mounted into your outlook profile then the script has the ability to crack into that pst and examine the folders and it can get you the counts but the script only was hard-coded to go about three levels deep i believe it was basically a for each inside a for each inside a for each. And if you had any folders deeper than that, it wasn't going to even recognize that they existed. So this wasn't really acceptable. We had a situation where we had a PST that was 
many, many, many gigabytes in size. And it had a folder hierarchy that probably went about 30 or folders deep, which is unbelievable. I'm not sure why. I'm not going to ask why, but it did. So therefore, the requirements were we need to be able to dig an indefinite number of subfolders deep into, this, into the PST and record how many items are inside each folder all the way down. Um, if I recall, I believe something about having to import the PST's contents in Office 365 makes it a subfolder of the inbox folder of some kind, and there was some kind of technical limitation if you used your folder hierarchy in the way that it was. Yeah, there are folder limitations within Outlook and Exchange. Uh, there, like you can only have a certain number of folders. So if you imported all of those folders, you would definitely run into something. Yes, and I believe that was probably why I was asked to do it that yeah. way. So luckily, I had a different function that I had written for getting drilling down into an Active Directory group that had groups as members that would um, retrieve the total drilled down member count and member list and it would drill into the nest levels and everything and report that all. So I actually use that as my baseline because the way that function works is it recursively calls itself inside the function. So knowing how that general idea was successful, I started with that and cloned it into my PSD script. The challenge with that, of course, was the input object in the function for the PST script is, of course, a PST file. And when you're inside the file loop with the com object open, what are you going to do if you're going to call the function recursively on itself? So it took me a lot of long walks today and occasional bouts of frustration. I did come up with a solution, though. It was still call the function recursively, just like I did in the groups function. But the input object, the second time around, is going to be a second parameter in the function. And it is effectively just a PS object passed into this function, and I named it um, to subfolder. And what it does is in the current loop, it will effectively take the current position, and that current position is a PS object, save it, and it will recursively call the function again with that object as the input object. I wrote into the script to bypass all the comma application opening and closing and all that because you already have the com application open and literally just resume where you were and then it will drill into the subfolders indefinitely as uh, needed and that after a couple bouts of trial and error that did the trick wow and yeah that definitely sounds like a fun time it almost sounds like using mfc mappy but without the GUI part of it. Right. I was going to say, I think I've seen this functionality in MC Mappy, but we wanted to just yeah. do it as a script where we could just point it, as a P point it to a PST file and tell it to go. And I was able to accomplish that today. So, Yeah. The, the problem with MFC Mappy, the tool itself, is that it's complex and it, um, it only drills down, I believe, a certain amount. And you can really cause wreak havoc on a, on a mailbox's architecture if you don't really know what you're looking at or understand the hierarchy of uh, the Outlook mailbox uh, folder structure. Uh, so. Okay, I see. 
Yes. Yeah, NFC Mappy is a very powerful tool, um, but it, it drills down into every single component of the actual, um, whether it's the mailbox itself, the PST. Um, so once you, it basically t- is like Outlook without all the pretty fancy stuff. It lets you see the hidden files, folders. Uh, so if anything is ever stuck, per se, in Outlook or in a uh, local file, you can use MFC Mappy and drill down that way. Oh, nice. Okay, I yeah. guess that uh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I, ba- yeah, I basically did a scripted version of that. And yeah. More or less, this the script doesn't act. This is this script is only for reconnaissance. It just gets information. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is it is nice to be able to do that at least. The fact that we yeah. can even script and drill into a PSD to begin with is right. Sounds like something God never even intended for us to do, but we somehow did it anyway. Right, right. MSD Mappy is not going to give you counts or anything like that. It's it's really the tool to remediate. So if you needed to drill down and fix something or remove something, then you could do that. Yeah. So I'm pretty proud of myself for finishing that today. No, that's a huge accomplishment. Because uh, everyone loves PSTs. Yeah, I can tell you just how much I love PSTs. They're a good time. Earlier this week, we were looking at the, I think, new-ish feature in Azure Storage Manager to upload PSTs and then assign them to mailboxes. Mm-hmm. I don't recall seeing this feature before, but it's now in the Security and Compliance Center, and it seems pretty cool. seems a little overly complicated in terms of how you actually get a PST into Office 365 and some of the interface is a little hokey but other than that it seems it's kind of nice to have that feature now so it has been an option for a while now uh it's just been a functionality that's lived in azure microsoft has moved very much so as using the ecosystem more so um as sort of a background they started using this, really pushing it. So the upload feature had always sort of been available inside of Azure. It uses the blob storage. So it creates a temporary storage location that lets you upload. And then it links it to the person's mailbox. And then you can basically just dump it there. But they started utilizing that sort of same uh, architecture in their search tools as well. So now that they've perfected it better, they've started implementing it and making it more visible. But that functionality to upload PSTs has been there for at least a couple of years. Yeah, and I think they're finally just making it available now that they seem much more comfortable with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It, it is It is a little bit hokey and complex. Um, having used it a little bit, you really have to understand the Azure storage. <laughs> Which is kind of odd, considering if you've only been on the Office 365 side of things, you probably haven't played too much at the Azure storage. But if you look at it from Microsoft's perspective, that's kind of genius, is that it really pushes their whole ecosystem of now you're getting people into uh, Azure more so. And now you're kind of getting the buy-in from that end as well. Yeah, and yeah, it's really funny to see the Azure side of things when you mm-hmm. only do exclusively O365. I am kind of a victim of this myself where in the Azure world, I feel really out of place when I see things like blob storage or the odd terms and intricacies that happens on that side. 
Yeah. I remember when I was taking the Azure exam, I think it was AZ 103, if I recall at Ignite, I was having a lot of difficulty trying to keep up with the terms. Um, in the labs, though, and in the interface in Azure, it makes a whole lot more sense. It seems to flow a lot more, and I think I attribute that to the search bar in the Azure interface, just kind of steering you generally in the right direction. It just makes things make sense. It's one of those weird, interesting things where Exchange admins accidentally get introduced to technologies before anybody else because they end up touching a lot of things jack of all trades master of none really that's literally <laughs> the story of my life yeah a little bit of this a little bit of that i can tell you how a database works and a cluster works but i've never actually worked in sql kind of thing um so it's sort of one of those situations yeah but it's similar you know having been a lot in the security and compliance center a lot in the playing around with the blob storage and so and one of the funny things about the security and compliance center is the e-discovery tool and how um, really getting to play with the new e-discovery tool that's being pushed upon people along with the search command going away in April. I'm so sad. So this is all really related. But with that... Um, the e-discovery tool is before when you used to do a search, it would utilize your own system's resources when you were downloading it. So you would get a lot of 500 errors or you would just max out your computers because what happens is it creates a temporary file and it just keeps updating that file and it can go for days and days and days as you're downloading as, as simple as a report or um, a PST from a search. So after many, many complaints and discovering that there is a huge problem with it and reporting it over and over again, Microsoft finally decided to fix the tool and utilize the blob storage the same way that you would import a PST. So now you utilize their system resources to download a file, which is phenomenal. <laughs> so much better. Yeah, that's so much really better. nice. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad that they're finally basically fixing old problems by making they are. better tools that don't suck as much as the old ones. However, it is very overwhelming because if you've looked at the roadmap lately, things are coming out fast. Things are coming um, out fast and they're also retiring old things fast too, which is a little bit disconcerting. It is extremely disconcerting. For those who are the sole person in their organization who are managing Office 365, I'm really sorry. <laughs> Because it's a lot at one time. Yeah, and Microsoft has a tendency to also just push changes, you know, into production or just mm -hmm. unannounced. Um, this week, they decided that they were going to push a Bing search extension to Chrome users in the latest uh, Office Insider build, I believe. And I think that will be in the regular channel very soon as well, if I recall pretty fast it's coming fast and people are not happy about it there is a user voice that basically demanding that office that microsoft not do this right i have seen a few articles out there that do reference how to make it i, I don't want to say stop but i think slow it down um such as creating gpos that modify registries and there's a few other steps you can take as well 
Yeah. But I do believe you have to do it before it's pushed to you. Yeah, I believe the patch management mailing list had a lot of creative ideas and GPOs yeah. and templates that could prevent that. Um, other people are also saying that the most baller move would be if Google just blacklisted the extension because technically Microsoft is messing with a browser and a product that isn't even theirs. It's really funny that you say that. Someone I was talking to today said, we'll wait until Google sues Microsoft. And I was like, interesting. That's a good point. My thoughts on this is Microsoft has gotten in trouble for this before in the past, yes. particularly where they had to... Um, maybe not search engines, but with browsers. And I find it kind of interesting that they're trying their hand at this again when they have gotten in trouble for this in the past with operating systems and not offering choice, just forcing something upon users. Not to mention that didn't Chromium Edge just come out? Why not just steer people towards that instead of you know, mucking up another browser? Right. My biggest gripe overall with Bing is that sometimes I don't want the Microsoft searches to be at the top. I really want it to be a true search based on, like Google does it. Um, I don't want only my, to see Microsoft's top heavy stuff or based on my organization. So that to me, sometimes it's useful, other times it's not. Exactly, yeah. That and just the Bing search engine generally just isn't really that great. I don't know. In even DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo isn't amazing, but it's still better. It's still better than Bing, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree. The one thing Bing does do a very good job with, though, is getting me Dunkin' Donuts gift cards because those Bing rewards, I can't. I I I, I can't stop doing those. That's the one thing. No, that's the best part about Bing. Yeah, because if you if you stay on top of the dailies and all the quizzes and the you know the stupid stuff that they make you click. Um, you can get a decent amount of points per day, and usually that amounts to about, I think, maybe a little over 10,000 points a month, and that's about all you need for a $10 Dunkin' gift card. So there you go. You're kind of sort of profiting on it. Off right. It. No. Right. You can get your Dunkin' Donuts, your Amazons, so many wonderful things, and you're welcome, Microsoft, for us promoting Oh Bing. yeah. Oh, yeah. This is, this, is a positive, <laughs> this is a positive piece about Bing, by the way. Yeah. We hate the fact so, that it's forced upon you, but man, we love the Bing rewards. Right. So if you don't do Bing rewards, you should. Yeah. Even if it's, you know, if you're just, just, if, even if you're just Googling, even if you're just searching <laughs> random characters or gobbledygook, just watch that, just watch the points go up and you can get things. You can learn new things too. The quizzes are kind of fun. Even if you just click through them, you still get the points no matter what. Whether you get it right, wrong, or how many attempts you try, you still get the points. Right. I like doing them during the NCAA time because the quizzes are always geared towards things that don't matter. It's a nice little thing I like just doing sitting on the couch or whatever and, you know, mm -hmm. you're just watching TV and you can just kind of click through it. Think of it like going to Vegas and playing the slot machines. Yeah, except it's not random, and you actually get stuff out of it every time, and it doesn't take your money away. Right, you will win every time. Yep, which is which is wonderful. So I was just looking at the notes here, and for some reason I thought I read Clippy, and I got really excited. Clippy. <laughs> there, it, there's nothing about Clippy in these notes at all. There is nothing about Clippy, but we do have a section on the clipboard, <laughs> which is sort of like what Clippy grew into, or Clippy decided to morph is it, into is it like clippy's like distant uncle yeah like second removed uncle yeah we'll we'll call it that 
It's Uncle Clipboard. The 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 the, fis- <laughs> the fiscally responsible version of Clippy is the Windows Clipboard. He made Clippy. <laughs> he made Clippy. That's his. That, Clippy is his baby. Yep, pretty much. And boy did okay. and, and boy did it really step up to the plate. So from Windows 10, 1809 and onward, the Windows Clipboard has well, technically it is a whole new product in itself, but. At the same time, it's also a returning product from very old win- versions of Windows, and maybe it's like a power toy in Windows XP and whatnot. So, power toys! Yeah, power toy. <laughs> Except some of the stuff is actually getting built into Windows now. So the Windows Clipboard Yay! is a new feature. You can find it in the Settings app, and you can enable it in the Settings app. It basically enables a new version of the Clipboard. It does not replace the old Clipboard. There is a hotkey that it assigns itself to, which is the Windows V key combination. And what that does is it saves your clipboard history and you can call upon anything you have copied. I think it very generously saves like maybe up to about 30-ish results I found. It's very, very, very handy when you're literally coding or even like making emails or documents or just writing things because it changes the way that you fundamentally use your computer, especially when you're entering data or transferring data. So for example, if I have a script that's outputting a bunch of IDs or data, and normally I'd have to copy one out of the console, paste it into my script or wherever its destination was going to be. But instead, what I can do is I can stay inside the same window and just do copy, 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 copy all the way down the window. And then on the other side, I can then do Windows V to select the data I want to paste. And I can just paste, 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 paste. And it really does save a lot of time and effort and memory, quite frankly. And I personally have found that I've saved time doing it. It does have its limitations and a few bugs from time to time, particularly Excel and a couple of the Office apps may have some funkiness when pasting. Excel tends to forget that the Windows clipboard exists. And if you pick something out of the clipboard into Excel, there's a lot of times Excel will just not paste anything or it will completely mangle the formatting or something weird like that. That might be more of an Excel problem than anything else. And I've also had the rather more obvious problem of if you're RDPing into another system, Windows Clipboard does not really pass through at all because the other side has to assume that Windows Clipboard is something that exists and it probably can't interpret it through the window or whatever. But knowing those limitations, it is otherwise a really rock solid um, feature that Windows has added. I recommend everyone turn it on if possible. It really should be enabled by default at this point, but pretty much everyone I've shown the pr- the feature to has really, really enjoyed it. And yeah, that's about all I have to say about Windows Clipboard. Yeah, clip it good. I really just started singing that in my head to the beat of Whip It. Well then, clip, clip. speaking of power tools, um, so exciting because get it. Get it we, good. Get it good. We're going from clipping it to getting it. Yeah, so on GitHub, you can actually download the power toys, um, which is a whole bunch of really cool utilities that have been available so clipboard was one of them that really is a truly a blast from the past i gotta say it it really is i haven't really gotten to play around with it a whole bunch but it keeps being brought up so i really need to get into it 
like power rename looks so awesome where you can bulk rename using the search and replace yeah that sounds that sounds like something i would have written a script for but it's really nice to have just a tool for that because right there's a lot of times i just want to rename a lot of files and if i can get away with a tool that does it that makes any of any facet of that easier so be it well i do a lot of audits a lot of stuff for for audits and they have to be named very specifically so a lot of times i'll have a, a lot of screenshots and a lot of files and i'll be typing in the same file name for each type of uh file when i could just be bulk renaming the group of files that i want to be named that would be fantastic yeah, so this fair. is definitely one of the things that is really cool um I haven't really looked too much into it. Does it let you do things like date formatting and stuff like that? Can mm -hmm. you pull from other attributes like the date modified flags on a file or anything like that? Um, I don't know too much about that. We would have to look into it more. But now you're just getting fancy. Yeah. There's there's certain things I've written scripts for to like say if I have a pile of photos from like 10 years ago and they're just named really under, you know, non-identifiable things in a search like img underscore zero 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 five it would be nice to rename it based on the date and time it was taken and then you can kind of position it better in a larger folder of images and it can sort better and everything like that so oh wait hold on smart rename is a windows shell extension for advanced bulk renaming using search and replace or regular expressions well, that's smart rename allows simple search and replace or more advanced regular expression matching so you could do date with regular expression. Hmm. Okay, that's something to think about. It'd be cool if you could pull from other attributes of the file, though. That's the one because I'm currently using uh, EXIF tool to pull a lot of things like date taken or date modified. Uh, date modified, you don't need the EXIF tool f to pull, but the date taken attribute is usually buried deep inside like JPEGs or MOV files. I bet if you could pull use the regular expression for it you might be able to pull it from it yeah i don't without actually playing with it i don't know too much yeah maybe we'll call that a to be continued i might have to download and play with that with, with those yeah maybe we'll have to make it like a what did i find this week sort of thing um like fancy zones i'm more intrigued just because i like the word fancy yeah fancy is <laughs> nice so but yeah, we'll put we'll put we'll put a pin in that, and we'll come maybe come back to that someday. And um, yeah, the power toys to me they they get a little overwhelming really fast because I find myself mm -hmm. wanting to use them everywhere, and then I'm like, okay, I got to install this everywhere, and then I'm just like, I don't really know what I actually use this for. But there sounds you know it's like analysis paralysis. Right. You don't know what you're going to use it for, but you can at the same time see so many uses. Right, you almost it's almost like Marie Kondoing yourself to like the 10th degree of I'm going to be super organized and I'm going to be minimalist and then you become too overwhelmed yeah it's the the whole so. the whole illusion of choice or too many choices lead to no choices mm -hmm. so it's uh power tools if you haven't yet it's on github or power toys wow I keep saying power tools they're basically Not... the same thing just <laughs> I feel like Power Tools is the more aggressive version of Power Toys. Yeah. That that's the 
knock the door down with your boot kind of uh or power toys is the the nicer version right so other things on github i got a bit of a lightning round here i've picked Whoa. just little things that utilities applications or the like that i've used over the years um, some of my topics are Caprine, which is an open source privacy minded Facebook Messenger application. It's right. It's updated regularly and it seems to work pretty well. Um, we also have Spleeter, which is really great in the audio world, which is it utilizes. Oh, I'm forgetting what it's called off the top of my head. I'm not going to cheat and look it up, but it uses an AI technology to analyze MP3 files or audio files, and it can actually uh, intelligently separate out the stems from the song. It's not perfect. You're going to hear a lot of compression, but it actually does quite an impressive job for just being handed an MP3 file. It can take a lot of songs, and you're looking to just make a quick, like, instrumental mix, or you want to just isolate the vocals or a certain part of it. It might be your first choice to attempt to accomplish that goal. It is a little bit heavy on the command line. There is no GUI for it. It does take a little legwork to get Python installed if you're not prepared for that. But once you get it going, it works surprisingly well. I am pretty impressed by it. Hmm. I haven't found a practical use for it. I'm not super into audio engineering, but for those who are, it is a wonderful tool. Um, what else in my list? Uh, PowerShell, of course. Needless to say, PowerShell core formerly known as Core, soon to be known as PowerShell 7, is hosted on GitHub by Microsoft. <laughs> they regularly update that. My Visual Studio code is nagging me to actually update it to the latest release candidate at this time. So that's fun. Um, what else? We have the Dolphin emulator, which is a GameCube and Wii emulator that's hosted in GitHub. Gets very robust support. They post regular updates, and it's wonderful for taking old games from the GameCube and Wii era and giving them a nice new coat of paint with more graphical options and all kinds of goodliness. And the last two I want to touch upon is one is if you are into sync, doing sinkholing of domains on your network or doing overall security and privacy minded smart host blocking at the network level, there is a user, his name is Stephen Black. I assume that is also his real name. If not, then it's an interesting username. He has a host file he regularly maintains that basically blocks a lot of bad domains and protects your network. I personally use that in combination with a few other uh, homegrown block lists and various other uh, sources to make myself a um, block list that I can then apply at the router level. So any device on my network has built an ad block with no additional utilities required, which is a nice little thing. And then last time I list is just a nice little utility called the Google Play Music Desktop Player. This is a desktop application for the Google Play Music um, website. It doesn't require Chrome. It just is a built-in Electron app, and it has system support for music and is also fairly regularly updated. The developers are active on GitHub, and it is over, overall just my, my pick for music. I host my music in Google Play Music, so if you're looking for a dedicated app, look no further than the Google Play Music desktop player. So Ooh. those are those are my picks. For we're, just, we're just plugging things tonight. Um, 
just giving all kinds of plugs everywhere. Yeah, this is this is just free free advertising because um, we don't really have any sponsors and we're not getting paid by anybody. So, hey, if you're if you're mentioned on this podcast, guess what? You're getting some free some some freebies from us for now, for now. Oh, this is so sad. Cue cue the the funeral music, please. Oh no, what's going on now? 2020 end of life milestones is it really milestones though or is it more of death it's i i'm gonna call it just death if it's not if nothing is replacing it it's just death it's just sad the time has come are we talking about the office 365 roadmap of things that are going to be dying Uh, soon the the sadness map Thelma and wheeze yeah, they're gonna drive it right over a cliff. All right. So what do we got? Oh. What do we got on the docket for for the immediate future? I feel like I should have prepared a eulogy. There were some. I mean, they're not de- they're not dead yet. <laughs> there were some things on there I was actually rather surprised at, and I mean, some of the stuff was obvious, like the uh, Windows Seven supports or certain versions of Office or whatever. But mm. there were some other things on there that kind of made me turn a turn an eyebrow on. I'm attempting to load the PDF, but for some reason doesn't want to load for me right now. Oh, there was what? there was one very specific one I had in mind. Oh, it was the search mm. the search mailbox command. That's what it was. That's so that is that breaks my heart into a thousand pieces. Yeah, it. Well, I was I think I was using that commandlet in a lot of places, so it's mm. making me kind of start rethinking my life a little bit in terms of a couple of PowerShell functions I might need to rewrite in the future. I don't know why. Are they replacing it with something better? That's my question. I don't. They're they're probably honestly going to encourage people to use Graph, or there's probably already something in place. Um, Do you think they offloaded that to the Security and Compliance Center for message analysis? So, yeah. I knew that they've been trying to get rid of the search functionality and replace it with their e-discovery, the advanced e-discovery tool. Um so that might be part of it is move pushing more towards the security and compliance world. Oh, okay. Yeah. That 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 would make sense. Yeah, just right. getting rid of redundant commandlets that could probably be exploited by folks who have, you know, permissions to various things and Right. That makes sense to me now. It just makes me yeah. it makes me sad. It doesn't make me any less sad, but it makes sense to me. No, cuz right now it's kind of a loophole that if you aren't a security person or somebody who deals with security stuff as just an admin if you're just an exchange administrator you can just run searches which for a lot of organizations those are those need a change or need some sort of approval so i could see where that could become problematic having the duplicate yeah what is ooh sharepoint classic and delve blogs are going away so sharepoint classic are they talking about SharePoint Classic blogs or SharePoint Classic as a whole? I hate the way they word some of these things. You can't really tell what this is, what they're mm. exactly referring to. <laughs> it's almost like the ambiguity is on purpose, so that way if they decide to remove something or keep something, you don't really know. I'm going to probably err on the side of I don't think they're retiring all of SharePoint Classic. If they did, mm-hmm. I feel like we would have gotten a whole lot more warning about that because I know I... I still maintain a SharePoint Classic site. I've been way too lazy to convert it to a modern site. So they better not do it. Uh, they're probably going to do it, aren't they? Well, hold on. It does say document libraries and folders. Um, 
So it could be, it could actually be Classic Sites. Yeah, February 28th, SharePoint Classic Popularity Reports. Classic Usage and Popularity Reports for Classic Sites. Yeah, they are slowly sunsetting SharePoint Classic, it mm-hmm. looks like. That's that's going to be that's going to be one heavy move to That's that's going to be sad. Oh, if you look here, hold on, going back to the search commandlets, July 1st, it's the deprecation of the legacy e-discovery tools. Yeah. So I think so I knew about they that are one. yeah, so they are definitely sunsetting a very very classic tool. Yeah. Um e-discovery, the writing was on the wall for that for a while. They right. they had a warning up on their on the e-discovery officer 65 page for quite a long time. So that one I'm not so blindsided by. Right, right. Well, the search command list that the search mailbox is an e-discovery function. Um, so, so sad. Yeah. Mm. And a whole bunch of other stuff regarding TLS 1.0 and 1.1, but that has totally been on the radar for quite a long time. Windows 7 support. What else do we got? Um, 2013 client connectivity to 0365. That might be a big one. A lot of people still use Office 2013 in a lot mm-hmm. of areas. That's as, as, much as I'd like to think that Office 2013 isn't that old, it is about seven years old at this point. So it just will not be supported. It doesn't mean that it won't work. It just means that if it doesn't work, you're kind of on your own. Yeah, I guess that works. Office 2016 for Mac is also getting dropped, too. That one yeah. feels a little bit more recent. There's a really confusing situation with Office for the Mac right now where I didn't even realize this until someone showed me, but you can have Office 2016 for Mac, but then there's Office like 365 Pro Plus, which is basically a newer version of the Office suite for Mac, and it's like click. To, it's basically like the equivalent of click to run, but you can't. It's not really that straightforward to update to it unless you fully remove the suite and then reinstall it on the Mac. It it's a really weird situation to be in. Um, having had to do that in the past, if you don't know it. Y- it's just uh, neither of the applications will work. They just don't work. Yeah, that makes sense. Once you get them on there. And then last on the list I see is basic authentication for legacy protocols. I think that one also has been widely telegraphed by Microsoft as going away very, very soon. It has. It's just a very hard one to get rid of. Yeah, there's just a lot of legacy stuff that you might not even realize is talking to Exchange online with mm-hmm. crappy, easily exploitable authentication. Your your POP, your IMAP. Are they um, actually are they are they getting rid of POP and IMAP? Well, you will not be able. So no, but you won't be able to use the legacy. Oh, um, okay. I don't really know how that's going to work. <laughs> considering those are technically legacy yeah that's that's weird to me oh well we'll yeah. see yeah uh, a buddy of mine was telling me he was asking me something about if we had disabled the imap where we were yet because apparently there was some some big imap flaw but although i didn't really hear about it anywhere else i don't know if he was just bsing me or not but i'll have to i'll have to look into that one it might have been the I basic authentication thing i don't really think that people really use pop and imap anymore yeah, um, I mean, I personally use it, but not for Exchange. It's for a personal email account. But yeah, for most people, for 
a very large part do not use pop or imap especially not pop i hope no one's using pop anymore that's an ancient protocol with stupid restrictions that should just go away it needs to go away it needs to just end i will never forget the first time i ever tried pop with um mozilla thunderbird i believe (laughs) it might have been outlook 2003 but i remember i pointed it at my comcast email account it sucked up all my email and i didn't know that the default setting was we pull all your email down and we delete it off the server and i was pretty pissed about that yeah i learned the hard way with my very first email account with pop yeah back when i used to work at the apple store so many years ago so many people would come in with outlook express and (laughs) they would have all their email set up with pop and for some reason, they would be really confused, and they'd be like, "Why is all my mail deleted?" Well, it says right there that your mail is going to delete it, it off the server. So when you added it in, your mail is not there anymore because somewhere you set up pop somewhere else. Yeah, I've worked a couple jobs where people tried they tried to get cute with Thunderbird, and they would pick pop, and suddenly they would get mad that all their all their email is gone. Right. Yeah, it's, but, it, but it's your fault. Yeah, it's a dangerous <laughs> setting, and if it's going away, then so be it. That can pop can pop can go pop itself. Goodbye, pop. Goodbye, pop. Goodbye. I said good day. Good day. So you get to channel your Doctor Who. I said good day. Good day. I am not the biggest Doctor Who fan. I've seen. I know. I've seen a few episodes, but other than that, it's not. I don't know. I don't understand it. It's not really my thing. You're not a time wizard, no. a time lord, or whatever? Unless they make Hugh Laurie a doctor, and they do a Doctor House crossover. Okay. That would be unreal. We, we had the best idea today for a crossover. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think ever since... Uh, God, I don't know anyone's names. It's the, the Scottish doctor. Ever since he came on, I just thought of him as Hugh Laurie, so... Well, Hugh Laurie... House is brilliant, but if... House was, in fact, a Time Lord who is stuck in present-day time as a medical doctor because he can't remember who he is. That would suddenly make the whole plot of House make a whole lot more sense. Yes! Like, absolutely. And then he just takes a lot of Vicodin to try to remember who he really is, but he doesn't, he can't. Maybe at the end of House, okay, massive spoilers for the end of House if anyone <laughs> still cares, but maybe at the end of House when, you know, he fakes his death and he moves, you know, he's driving off into the sunset, maybe it, it's a possibility, then he just goes into, you know, the, the time box and goes away to become right. the next uh, Time Lord or changes over or something like that. And and that maybe that's what we're missing is that in that sunset, is actually the telephone booth yeah i it's there i like this fan theory i think let's let's it should be it should be canon in the house and doctor who universe yes there we go it's settled i think we need to write our fan fiction for it yeah our our house our who house the who fan fiction the who the who house house down in whoville right the who's is in whoville um we should call this sometimes a tech podcast. It's yeah. We're this this was a tech podcast at one point. This particular episode we're really flying off the rails in a lot of <laughs> a lot more places than I think we have before. 
in our intro, it should be sometimes a tech podcast. Technically, we never even got past the intro because there's bullet points I'm seeing here that we haven't even touched upon. We've just been jumping all around, so. It's been flowing, okay, Steven? Yeah, it's it's totally fine. Sure. Anyways. Sure. Oh, boy. Okay. So, talking about tech things. So, um, oh, here's another one I totally glossed over, but I think maybe totally should have been in our news-ish section. So, remember that vulnerability that the NSA disclosed uh, last week? Yes. There's apparently another one for Internet Explorer now, but the thing about it this time around is Microsoft doesn't, as far as I know, still has not released a patch, and they said basically to... to uh, uh, hang tight until about February, and do consider using Microsoft Edge or an alternate browser until patches are made available. So a big old plug for that Chromium Microsoft Edge that they really desperately want you to use. So now they're just putting you in a chokehold. Effectively, but I mean, if you're really? st- if you're still using IE at this point, I don't I don't I don't know what to tell you. You're just going to be set in your ways, and you're just going to have vulnerabilities come slung your way. I don't know. I mean, IE eleven. That old, good old IE 11. If you right. have an Xbox 360, I mean, IE is the only browser available to you. Oh, respect. Respect. I still love the fact that Edge is still an E logo. Even though they really wanted to distance themselves from IE, they just couldn't bring themselves to not use an E. Yeah. Yeah. The- I noticed that. I was like, this is kind of a ripoff of Firefox and Chrome together with internet explorer chromium edge is literally just chromium just with a name change so there's there's the whole debate about that i i personally am not a fan of chromium or the webkit engine or anything like that no Uh, i think it's really been a hindrance to the internet and compatibility i feel chrome has kind of gone the way of what ie was in the early 2000s um, being an avid Firefox user, there's a lot of sites that just will throw up warnings, say, please launch me in Chrome, and I don't want to do that in any capacity. So, I don't know. It's not a very good place for the web to be in. I will continue to sling Firefox as my browser of choice. Absolutely. And if you want something different, pick Firefox. I don't know what to tell you. Yes. Foxfire. Fox, mozzarella, Foxfire. <laughs> I always did something else, and I was like, that's not appropriate for the internet. The tastiest browser alive. Mmm, cheese, cheese, cheese. Yeah. Oh, boy. Cheesy, cheesy McCheese. Okay, so, um, I have another PowerShell topic, if, uh, if we want to stomach another one of those, considering... Ooh doesn't love p-shell i don't mind p-shell it's 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 a way to make a living i guess um so i have a whole list of topics i've decided this week i think i might delve a little bit onto custom objects a little bit um the short of it is ps custom objects are really nice when you're building functions or you want to do data retrieval or data exporting sorting any of the sort so what it basically lets you do is you can create your own almost like an Excel spreadsheet of sorts and you can fill it with data and if you're running a function you can then return this object at the end and it then comes chock full of all the built-in PowerShell features like sort or 
uh, where clauses, out grid view, select, format list, all kinds of the fun, all, all kinds of the fun features that are built into PowerShell for the usual data retrieval. So if you're writing any functions, it's I highly recommend doing it this way. My preferred um, method of choice for defining these is you first define a empty array. I will often call it like uh, return me. I'll do that before I am returning or retrieving any data. Then I will define a variable called row, which will actually define the PS object. And this will include both your column titles and your data. And you can define that in a nice, neat table. You add the said row variable to your empty array, which is return me. And then at the end of the function or whatever, you can return the return me function. And then when you call the function, you can do add grid view or select or anything you want. So, so yeah, that's my little soapbox on the importance and convenience of PS custom objects. And I hope this helped somebody around the internet. All right, I, I immediately started thinking conjunction. Conj I mean, yeah, conjunction, junction, what's your function? I mean, it does perfectly apply to PowerShell, at least, I don't know, conjunctions it, it and combining yeah. data. And if I was any good at lyrics and songs, I would make a song about it, but I'm not really, and especially not on the spot. No, um, neither am I. Well, I'm pretty good at ad-libbing and coming up with things, but not on the fly. I have to be, like, isolated and alone. <laughs> I come up with things in my head all the time, and then when someone yeah. asks me to do something, I'm just like, uh. Yeah, no, that's exactly. Being put on the spot, I'm like, wait, what did you say? I become extremely unintelligent very fast. Yeah. I am, I'm like, I am the, what? I am the smartest, dumbest person I know. Mm -hmm. It is the, the tortured genius conundrum, I guess. That's what they call it. <laughs> oh, boy. Tortured something. Absolutely. Tortured soul. Yeah. Anyways, All I, right. anyways, I think I've run my PowerShell topic of the week into the yeah. ground. So why don't we move on to something I think we have much more substantial content this week. How about our question of the week? Ask the, ask the stiffs, if I can even pronounce our own title. I... This is a good one. What is your favorite Windows shortcut? Oh, I could... You see, I'd have to narrow down like my top five and then maybe get back to you with my favorite. Right now, I think it is the Windows Clipboard, Windows V, but I also mm. like Control-X, Control-C, Control-V. I'm a fan of Control-T, Control-W, which is kind of a cross-platform close your current thing hotkey. Um, and I'm a big fan of the home and end keys. These aren't really shortcuts at this point. We're just talking about keys on a keyboard, but yeah, you're like you've just become. A, like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm literally just like waving my fingers over the keyboard, remembering some of these things I you're do. A, you're a keyboard shortcut hoarder. One of the, so yeah, I, I really am, and this all I just keep this all in my head. I think one of my favorite ones though you're is the George Costanza. Of I got my wallet full of receipts, <laughs> and they're all Windows shortcuts. I think my favorite one is Windows R, which is uh, the run dialog, because from there you can launch so many other things. <laughs> what? In your, so, in your wallet wait. of receipts of shortcuts and doodads. Wait, so is it just like a paradox? Like, it just plays into each other? Yeah. 
You know, I, right. I really got to empty my wallet of receipts. It's kind of, again. I'm actually look, again? I'm looking over at it, and again, it's, it's, it's high okay. time. For everyone who doesn't know, I think about a year and a half ago, Steve pulls out his wallet. We're out to eat with the team, and he pulls out his wallet, and we can't help. It's almost like that moment in Wayne's World when Wayne sees the the guitar for the first time and Dreamweaver plays. But that's what it was like with Steve's wallet. Except for the Womp Womp music or Yakety Sax was playing. And he pulls it out and it's literally a wad of receipts. I'm holding my hand up so the internet can see my hand, but you can't because this is audio. And it's about four inches thick. Of receipts. I, and I I think we all just kind of turned our heads and we're like, Steve, what is happening? I am not proud. And at the same time, I'm not going to go out of my way to really say it was a bad thing. I don't know. No, it created one of the best moments of time. Because you were the George Costanza of the moment. Yeah. I mean, I actually really dislike receipts as a concept as a whole um i'm actually someone who uses apple pay a lot and somehow i still end up with a whole ton of receipts and i'd I'd like if they just go away but at the same time they do come in handy for various things and i end up just places like grocery stores just insist on giving you them and i don't know i just i'm not good at getting rid of them very easily because i'm just lazy but every once in a while i do just say enough is enough and i just chuck them all in the recycle so they do go away. It just not as frequently as I hope. I think the best part about the whole thing was the Best Buy card. <laughs> no, wait, wait, hold on. Even what was that what was, was the thing that you had? That was my Best Buy Reward Zone card from like yes. 2003. That wasn't yes. a receipt. That's my legitimate, still functioning <laughs> Best Buy Rewards gift—not uh, gift card, but membership card. Even though you totally don't need it anymore, because no. when you're in the store now, they just ask for your phone number and they just look you up. You don't need the card anymore. Right, but the card was so worn out. It is. It was really worn out. I don't think the barcode was even usable at that no. point. No. Okay. Oh. But yeah, that's uh. Window that, shortcuts. Window shortcuts, not my wallet. That's not where you'll find window shortcuts. No, that's the place where shortcuts go to die. Yep. Um, <laughs> My favorite window shortcut is, I don't know, I really am fond of Control-X. I don't know what it is about it, but it's my, my favorite. It is, it's simple. No, any any shortcut is still a shortcut if it if you get value out of it and use it frequently. Yeah, it's found a place into my heart. I mean, who doesn't like a good cut? It's a good cut into your heart. Yeah, I mean, it found a way. Yep. It sure did. I mean, so we've been babbling now for... For a while, so I think it's time for the stiffs to go do other stuff that's not talk or listen to us pretend to know about stuff. I agree. This has been one journey of a podcast where <laughs> we we're just wasting everyone's time this week, and I apologize. I hope something was of substance to you, or if you're driving, this this assisted you in some way in your destination decision. I think we talked about plenty, okay? We we covered a lot of topics. We we really talked about nothing for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of other podcasts do that too, and I'm sure maybe we can make this seem good in editing in some, some capacity. Yes. So 
Hope This Helps is available on all the major podcast platforms. Um, supposedly, I am told that giving us five-star ratings on iTunes or whatever does help with the visibility. I'm, I mean, I'm not asking anyone to do that, but if you want to do that, will you do please. that, please? please? It'll help us. We're giving, yeah, we're, help us. We're giving you stuff that we hope helps. Why don't you give us stuff that we hope helps? Please. Please. Um, and we have a Facebook group, I believe. Tiff, you said that you set that up. I did. I haven't really done much with it, but hopefully, hopefully, we'll have more stuff in the coming weeks. Absolutely. Um, because everyone should be blessed with our presence on the internet in all capacities. Of course. Um, we also simulcast to twitch.tv slash hope this helps currently right now you will if you watch the live if you catch the live stream you'll get the raw audio of and the unedited version of this podcast where we make all the blunders or forget to hit the record button or all kinds of fun stuff say daddy a lot say daddy a lot i don't know anything might happen on the twitch stream occasionally so um and it is also up faster than the actual edited version of the podcast if you can't wait like a day and a half or whatever time it takes for us to actually get the editing done so it is there as broadcast archives if you are so inclined you also get the cool little doodle that i make that is a different one for every episode this week i am featuring a ripoff of the star wars the rise of skywalker logo instead it's just please (laughs) advise hope this helps oh my god yes i'm so excited I did not catch the last one, it being the Mandalorian that, helmet. Yeah, I believe ah. I believe that was episode two. Episode three was yes. just the H holding a hammer and the T trying to jump up and catch it. And the other guy was just standing there going, hope this helps. Mm. One of my little mini, one of the things I love about this podcast is I can kind of just do little doodles on my surface of the logo or just do small variations. And it's nice to just put up a, throw up a different one for every single episode. I guess it makes every episode feel much a little bit more unique than the last that's one thing we can guarantee is that you will not get the same content twice because we probably don't remember what we said the week prior. I occasionally <laughs> will look back and see if there is something that we said in the past, but right. other than that, we just try to look forward. Quick, quick glimpses. Absolutely. Never look back. All right. So hope this helps. Alrighty. Hope this helps.